Right, welcome back to the program. I'm going to remind you that coming up at 3.20 instead of 4.20 today, uh, because of the uh, City Ford Face-Off show, we've got an early end to our show this afternoon. So uh, rather than at 4.20, at 3.20, I'll have the name of the individual who has 6 minutes and 30 seconds to call in and qualify for our 6.30 Ched Guns and Roses Las Vegas trip. Uh, we would love for you to win that trip, including, of course, the airfare, the hotel, the ground transportation, and tickets to see the show that's been a quarter of a century in the making, Guns and Roses uh, reunion. Right now, though, uh, we would encourage you uh, to go to our Facebook page and weigh in on the conversation I'm about to have uh, with Judy Arnall. Now, here's uh, here's the story. Uh, we all know that our siblings can be our best friends or, you know, for that matter, our worst enemies. The feelings can run deep in both directions or not at all. Why, though, are some siblings so hateful uh, to one another? We're joined now by Judy Arnall, a uh, parenting expert and a leading authority on non-punitive, respectful parenting and family relations. Hi, Judy. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. That's quite the uh, quite the handle. Leading authority on non-punitive, respectful parenting and family relationships. What does that mean? Um, what it means is building relationships between um, family members without using any kinds of punitive devices that we sometimes like to fall back on. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And when we talk about uh, hateful relationships, particularly between siblings, what kind of anecdotal stories have you heard? How, how deep do some of these wounds run? Sometimes they run pretty deep. Um, in talking to adults um, in parenting classes, when they talk about their sibling relationships, you get a the whole gamut from um, loving relationships in adulthood to I never speak to my sibling because there's just too many issues to deal with kind of thing. So mm. I think it's very normal to have conflict in any family relationship, and the sibling relationship has its share, but how it's dealt with in the family can lead to long-term effects um, on the children. And does that relate specifically to how those children were raised and how they conduct themselves now as adults? Because I think about this all the time as a parent. When you've got your children in the home and you're a tight-knit family that does everything together, but then you think, well, when was the last time I saw my brother? Uh, I mean, isn't it just natural to sort of drift apart once you leave the home? Well, physically, yes. P um, grown, grown adults do drift together drift apart, but um, close families, they keep in contact, they um, talk to each other, they visit each other regularly, they send pictures, they are in contact with their siblings. Um, and oftentimes more than just once a year, I, I, I'm just amazed at how some people really, really love their siblings, they're, they're close, they're a source of support, and um, you know that has been fostered when the kids were young. Well, then, is that the answer? And I, I you know, there, I hate to go back and, and try and point to one thing, and you're the expert, not I, but so is it how they were treated? Is it how their parents raised them then that determines um, whether they're going to continue to have battles when they leave the home or, or develop poor relationships with one another? It's a big factor. How Obviously, how children are raised is a big factor in their relationships later on. So in homes where children are allowed to express their whole 
whole range of feelings, um, even those hateful feelings towards siblings, and they're encouraged to um, learn skills, relationship skills, on how to resolve conflicts, because there will always be conflicts, but oftentimes children aren't taught how to negotiate conflicts in a respectful way towards their siblings and carry that out into their future relationships. Um, for example, when two children are fighting over a toy, the parent takes the toy away and puts the toy in the, the timeout toy box, right? They've just robbed those children of the opportunity to resolve the fighting over the toy in a way that both win. And I know it takes time and um, a lot of effort on the parent, but the parent's putting time into positive skills like negotiation. So give me, you. let's take that example that you just used then and let's run with it a little bit. So I've got two toddlers that are fighting over a toy um, and my, you know, your go-to response is typically, as you just said, to take the toy away from both of them. Are you suggesting that we sit down and, and the parent moderate uh, some sort of negotiation between the two? Yes, absolutely. Now with toddlers, it's a little hard because a lot of them aren't talking very well yet. So <laughs> yeah. with, with things like that. You just want to have a lot of the same toys on hand or, you know, hide the fought over toy when they're sleeping. But when they're older, when they become preschoolers, that's where you really get into teaching them negotiation skills and problem solving that each of them win. And kids can do that. And do you find that adult children, once they've left the home, I'm, I guess I don't have to say children, adults when they leave the home, where they've not been taught those skills in the home, is is that a mendable fence? I mean, is it possible that if you've been brought up not understanding how... I guess what I'm asking is this. We're, it seems, more compassionate, more willing to listen to people that we weren't brought up with than we are to listen to those that we're closest to because we have all this history together. Mm-hmm. You, um- Yes, that's true in some families, but in other families, it is the opposite. Um, Siblings do listen to each other because they have a bigger influence, and that influence has grown in a more respectful relationship. Um, But there's—it's not a a sad situation that those skills can't be learned later. Um, If grown-up siblings are allowed to express their negative feelings toward each other, Sometimes that just has to come out for them to start coming together and um, acknowledging each other more positively. And it it could be done through therapy, or um, but both parties generally have to be willing to work on the relationship. It, it doesn't work if it's just one one sibling and not the other. You know, I just find, and, and I don't know if you can speak to this, but I just find from personal experience that where you have... Uh, siblings that have left the home and who did not get along, it oftentimes is as a result of issues they had with their parents and that one sibling will whitewash the memory of their childhood and the other refuses to and, you know, as a result that's, it seems unreconcilable because there's no going back and changing history. Mm -hmm. Um, Each child does have a different version of how things were when they were raised. And that's understandable because every um, you're a different parent for each child in the birth order. Um, the parent of a first-born child is going to be more um, 
keen on things and have lots of energy, whereas with the last child, um, you're going to be more relaxed and more tired, so that child's going to have a different experience growing up. <laughs> um, but what happens is that um, parent, kids, when they've grown up, they look back, and in hindsight, you always look at things in a rosier glow. So some children may look back and think, oh, our childhood wasn't that bad. But for some children, it may have been that bad. They may have experienced it as bad. And each each owns how they see it. But it's important to come together and talk about those things and see if, you know, both both siblings can put it behind them to start a relationship anew. Because you can't change the past. You can only move forward. You mentioned earlier in this conversation about uh, conflict resolution and how uh, just taking the toy away is uh, robbing the children of an opportunity to develop negotiating skills and resolution skills. Are there any other small points like that where opportunities are missed to, to bring siblings closer together? I think allowing children to vent all their range of feelings. So if a child comes up to dad and says, um, I hate little Jason. He He's always bugging me. And dad really acknowledges his feelings rather than saying, oh, you know, you got to love your brother. He's older than you and he looks out for you. But really listening to children's feelings and accepting their feelings, no matter how hard they are to hear. And that way, kids can get past the anger and start working more on their issues with little Jason. Um, and as parents, we all want our children to get along. I don't know any parent who doesn't, but we go at it in the wrong ways. And we, we tend to impose that on the kids rather than allowing them to just feel the natural course of a relationship. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? We uh, honestly uh, kind of laugh about this, the parents here at the 630 chat about you raise each child slightly differently based on your own experience as a parent and your economic situation and you know it's just it's just funny like you try your hardest always i think every parent does to be a great parent but even when you raise two children exactly the same it's like dropping two seeds and two different plants grow up you just it's it's a bit of a learning experience it's an on-the-job training kind of uh, role at the best of times isn't it it is. It is. And, and you never know what kind of child you're going to get. Um, the, the biggest factor in sibling relationships is, is not so much age and gender. It's more personality and temperament. So if you have one child who's an extrovert always getting in the face of your introverted child, you're going to have to teach them ways to, to live together politely. That you know They don't have to be bestie friends, but um, you have to lay the groundwork that um, we be polite to each other, and, you know, they can find more value in friendships um, as they get older. And, and same with temperament, too. Um, there's more spirited, stubborn children, and if you have another one of those in the family, they're going to they're gonna buck heads quite a lot. So, um, and those are things you can't change. You can't change temperament or personality, but you can help the kids. Um, manage their siblings' little quirks that way. You know, last question for you. You mentioned uh, um, listening to your children. Um, I've always thought it's really important to be honest with your children as well. Um, 
you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Uh, one example would be, I guess, uh, we laugh about this, as I say here. Um, for my first child, I have a baby book that's the size of the yellow pages. And for my second, um, you know, we have a handful of pictures. And <laughs> and when he asks us about it, or when he has asked us about it in the past, we just said, you know what? It, we were just so busy that at that time. Um, and, and it wasn't our first. And it was just, you know, it wasn't on the forefront of our mind to, to put together a baby book. But we can work on one together. You know, we'll go through all those old boxes in the basement and see what we can find. And we'll do it together, which my first child didn't have the opportunity to do. I didn't know how else to resolve it, honestly. That sounds great. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad. That's even more fun is being able to do it together. And and you're going to have kids who really don't care about the pictures either. <laughs> so it's more uh, our worries and theirs. So, yeah, that, you know, just being willing to say, okay, what would what would happen that would make this better exactly. is, I think, just a wonderful thing. Sounds good. I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Judy Arnall, a parenting expert, a leading authority on non-punitive, respectful parenting. Uh, Judy, thanks for your time this afternoon. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Now, uh, listen, we're coming up on 320, so let's not take the break because I've been promising that I'll give this name out for the Guns N' Roses uh, trip. So we'll do that in just a few seconds. If you don't know about this, you should. You go to 630ched.com. You can do that right now. You can do that 24 hours a day. You register. And then uh, it started on Monday. You listen daily. Normally at 7.20 during Bruce Bowie's show, 10.20 during Ryan Jesperson's show, and 4.20 during the afternoon news for your name. Because of the City Ford Face-Off show, I'm doing it today at 3.20 instead. In just a moment, I'm going to give you the name. When you hear, if you hear your name, you call back 496-0063 within 6 minutes and 30 seconds. You'll be qualified to see the reunion concert of a lifetime. Today's name is Audra Franklin from Edmonton. Audra Franklin, you have six minutes and 30 seconds to call 496-0063. Some of your texts quite uh, quite interesting. Uh, how about this? Uh, touchy-feely, let's have a group hug. Um, Learn there is an authority figure in your house. Learn to form alliances with your siblings. Uh, another texter, uh, they need to learn that no is a suitable answer. Uh, I'm not their friend. I'm the dad. Uh, somebody texting, this lady is out to lunch. You're never out to lunch when it comes to parenting, uh, to be honest with you. And as I said to our guest, everybody parents a little different. And, and even when you parent all your children in the same way, you end up with different things. Parenting is one of the... I've said this many times, of all the things I've done, the one I'm proudest of is being a dad, but I've made lots of mistakes and, and lots of times you think you're doing the right thing and then for whatever reason it has the absolute opposite result. And in my particular case, I just wanted to have kids that didn't hate each other as much as my brothers and I seem to hate each other. I, you know, talking about feelings running deep, there no feelings run deep in my family. I, I don't see my brothers. I, I see Bob from time to time. He lives here in Edmonton, but not often. It's probably been a couple of three years. Um, Doug and Jim are in Ottawa. I don't, we don't exchange cards. We don't call. We don't, I'll go to Ottawa, do shows and leave without even telling them I was there. And I don't feel like anything's missing. But, you know, looking back on it now, somebody who texted and said, you need to form alliances, that's exactly what we did. We formed alliances against our parents, but once we got out of the house, we all went our separate ways, like we'd escaped from a prison or something. 
Man, that's way more than I intended to tell you, but that's what happens when you're left with a few extra minutes at the bottom of a half hour. Uh, so, hey, listen, coming up in the next half hour, and I'm excited to do this, we're going to talk to Julie Matthews, former global television troubleshooter and consumer protection expert. You won't want to miss this half-hour segment. There's a lot of scams uh, making their way around again in Edmonton and across uh, Canada and around the world. Some of them you might have seen. Others you might have fallen for. Uh, those scammers out there are getting particularly clever. Now, it's not Friday, but this is my sort of Friday in a way because starting tomorrow, the show's back to its original format with Jay Lynn Nye, and we're on from 2 until 6, and everything's back to normal again, which I can't wait for. Uh, but I do have those little stories that I packed away uh, just in case, so I want to uh, turf those out the door uh, right now. Here's one. Patrick Swayze's role in Dirty Dancing has been cast. I didn't even know this was a thing. I mean, I know what Dirty Dancing is, and I know who Patrick Swayze is, but ABC is doing a new version of Dirty Dancing, and they've just revealed who's playing Johnny Castle, uh, Patrick Swayze's role. It's a guy named, are you ready, drumroll, Colt Pratt. He's probably best known for co-starring in pink video for Try. For try. That video is just shy of 200 million views on YouTube. Um, yeah, they've cast the whole thing. Now, unlike other network musicals, and I'm not sure when this became a thing again, but it sort of became a thing, then it went away again. Um, where they started doing them live, which I don't... Television's hard enough to do when you get a third and fourth take. But try and do it. They're not going to do this one live. So unlike other network musicals, this will not be live. And no air date has yet um, been announced. Here's another one for you. Um, saw this. There's a... A 48-year-old guy by the name of Gregory Rouser, he's in prison in Indiana County, Pennsylvania. He and his 54-year-old girlfriend, Lorraine Patterson, have been trying to find a hitman to kill a guy outside. So Gregory, he's actually tried to kill this guy before. Gregory shot the guy back Sorry, in, did you say this was in Florida? Uh, no, in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. You're Sorry, good. it just sounded like it would be Florida. No, yeah, I know. Most of these stories do come out of Florida. This one out of Pennsylvania. Gregory shot the guy back in 2008, but he survived. Then he hired a hitman to kill the guy in 2009, but the deal fell through. And now he's back trying to kill the same guy. There's no, by the way, it's not clear on why he wants him dead, but this guy really wants him dead. So he told Lorraine to go find a hitman. And you know, couples should do things together, but there should be a line drawn at which you don't do these kind of things together. And, and just another tip, if you've already been convicted twice of trying to kill somebody, you, you might want to be careful when you go to hire a hitman because possibly they're waiting for you to do that. So, and they were. So here's what happened. Lorraine was told to go find somebody to kill this guy. And she found a woman online who said she knew a hitman who could do the job. The woman's name was uh, Joni Pepperoni. I'm not making that up. She go, Exactly. She goes online in, in, to hire a hitman, finds a woman who says, I know a hitman, and her name is Joni Pepperoni. Um, it sounds like a made-up name, doesn't it? And guess what it was? Joni Pepperoni was an undercover cop, but uh, Lorraine didn't catch on to that and pushed ahead with the hit. So once Lorraine gave Joni Pepperoni the money, cops swooped in. Uh, Lorraine was arrested for felony solicitation and conspiracy to commit homicide, and Gregory got hit with the same charge, even though he's already doing 60 years. That's dumb criminals oftentimes just take care of themselves. And welcome back to the program, a shorter edition of the 630 Chad Afternoon News. 
Um, I'll do the same amount of talking, though, because normally Jayla and I is here with me, and uh, we do four hours. Uh, she's gone, so I'm just doing two. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll have the uh, City Ford Face-Off show as the Edmonton Oilers take on, uh, take on Buffalo in Buffalo. Right now, though, been uh, looking forward to this conversation all afternoon. Some fraud prevention tips might seem like common sense, don't they? You know, don't give out your social insurance number, your mother's maiden name, or... Don't write it down on checks. Check your debit and credit card statements closely. Don't leave mail in your mailbox overnight or on weekends. But governments and business leaders are highlighting popular scams consumers should watch out for as they launch Fraud Prevention Month. Uh, joining me now is Julie Matthews, former global television troubleshooter and consumer protection expert. Hi, Julie. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm great. I always look forward to talking to you. I miss you on Global. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, no, I really do. And I know uh, even though you've left Global, I know you've got other work, um, people still contact you all the time, don't they, with uh, with problems? Well, that's the magic of social media, right? <laughs> Is, uh, and I still have a presence on uh, Twitter and Facebook. And actually, I really enjoy hearing from Albertans. And they educate me. Uh, they provide me with lots of tidbits and information about different scams that they're seeing and it's a great way to get the, uh, that education and awareness out there. Well, you know, let's talk about that because it was your Twitter account. I follow you on Twitter, and every now and then you will tweet something, um, and, and, I, and I'll laugh because, uh, not that it's a funny tweet per se, but because it's like, ah, oh, here's another one. Uh, for example, you tweeted, uh, and I believe it was, and I'm quoting, Mediterranean Cruise Association is not opening Alberta office. <laughs> what, 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 what is that about? Well, I was actually contacted on Facebook by an Albertan who is looking for a job. Like many people in our province, um, she has been laid off and has been searching for work for a number of months. Um, she found a Kijiji ad, I believe it was also on Craigslist, by something called Med Cruise, which is a Mediterranean Cruise Port Association, if you Google that particular website. Anyway, offering a variety of jobs. When she emailed them her resume, because again, she's, she's getting to that desperate point, they told her that they were opening an office in Alberta and that she would be perfect for her, if she would be perfect for that office. So they asked her to uh, fill out some employment forms, provide some personal banking information. Mm. And in the end, when she looked at the final employment contract, she just got a bad feeling. Uh, luckily, she showed it to her daughter who also looked at it and had the same feeling, and then she reached out to me on Facebook. She sent me some copies of the contracts, um, definitely a scam, asking for a lot of uh, personal banking information. Um, in this particular case, it's not just a job scam that they're using to lure you in. Her job, the cruise company, fake cruise company told her, was that they would be wiring her donations and money for the company, and then she would be testing the services of different money transfer services um, and reporting back, which is a very common scam that we've seen again and again with wire transfer services, um, money marts, things like that. The scammers love to use that method. Yeah, you know, as soon as you said it, bells started ringing. We were talking about this a few weeks ago. Remind me how that works. You, They wire you some money. You're supposed to wire it somewhere else, but you keep part of it as your commission or something like that. How do they end up getting money from you? Yeah, exactly. They lure you in by telling you that they're going to, um, sometimes they wire you the money, sometimes they will mail you an actual check. We're ah, still seeing right. that as well. So you're going to receive that check and they're telling you that your job is to deposit it and then you're testing the services of different 
money marts or, um, you know, different uh, services that provide the wire transfer services, you're going to go there. They're going to tell you where to wire the money to. The trick is the money that you received, the check you received, is fake. The fakes can be very good. A lot of people think that your bank will catch that fake check within days. That's sometimes the case. But the fraudsters are very good at what they do. They will choose checks that often are connected to foreign banks, foreign companies. They'll do everything they can to make sure that your bank takes a really long time to figure out that that check is fake. By the time they figure that out, you've already wired real money from your account out to these other people. And the bank's going to come back on you for all the money that they lost. You know, I wanted to ask you about that, Julian. And, and yeah, now that you mentioned, now that you've explained it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. A b- check bounces, but you've mailed your money away. W- when that happens, and an individual who's fallen for that, do they have any protection if they go to the money transfer establishment or, or the police? I mean, what, w- what do they have at their disposal if if they've been tricked by that? They, I know the money uh, transfer companies and, and stores that offer these services are doing their own things to try and cut down on this. They also recognize that the scammers are, are loving their, their mode of uh, money transformation. Um, they really are tracking down as well. But in terms of the police and what you can do, most of those transactions are very, very hard to trace once that money is gone. My understanding is, is that once you've sent the money, as soon as someone picks it up on the other end, you're basically out of luck because a lot of um, they might be sending it to Vegas, let's say. But if someone has the, the MCN number, it's called, or like a transfer number, they can actually be in London, England. And as long as they have the right number, they can pick it up there. Mm-hmm. So you think you sent it to Vegas. They can pick it up anywhere in the world as long as they have that number. And a lot of places don't even ask for ID if you send the money and you catch it really quick that it was a scam, I have heard of cases where police and the wire transfer companies can intervene and stop the pickup. Um, but it has to happen very quickly. Well, and I suppose the best uh, preventive uh, uh, medicine for this is just awareness of the fact that this is a scam. Because, you know, this story started with an employment application, but it ended in a more well-known scam. So the more people know about this kind of wire transfer scam, the more likely they are to uh, you know, have bells ring when they start seeing it moving that direction. And, and this falls kind of in the category as well as those uh, lottery scams, WestJet scams, CRA scams. In all these cases, is the red flag the fact that they want money? That is one of the, the major flags. They're not always looking for money, but eventually there are those that are also just looking for your personal information, and then they're going to get you that way. But money is usually the key. I would say the main flags, red flags in regards to these types of online scams is an overseas connection so it doesn't matter if it's a rental property the landlord will tell you that he's working overseas as a missionary that's a common one they like to use or it'll be a job scam and again there's some sort of overseas connection some reason why you can't meet this person or talk to them on the phone there's sometimes spelling mistakes in the emails Mm -hmm. and ads not always though they're getting better about that But when it comes to money and the transfer, they never, ever want to take a visa. They never want a check from you. They always want the money transfer service to be Hmm. used, always. So if if you're offering them a visa and they're refusing to take it, 
again, that's a bit of a red flag too. Yeah, no kidding. I don't know if you heard about this one. I'm guessing you probably did. I mentioned it off the top of the show earlier this afternoon, and we talked about it, uh, or I talked about it a week ago or so. Um, but a package arrived in the mail that looked really legit, and it was so old school that I, in some way, had to admire the trouble they'd gone to to put this together. It looked like a FedEx envelope, um, and you had to open it. Now, FedEx typically gets you to sign for it, or you know they deliver it to the door, but this got mailed to me, and inside was the details of the trip that I'd won. Um, and again, funny you should mention overseas, all I had to do was send a little bit of money to this overseas company, and I would have this, I think, Mediterranean cruise, I believe it was, um, and, but the whole thing was a fake. And, and when you start reading it and you go back and look at the label again, you go, oh, it doesn't say FedEx. It says like FedEx or something like that. But the logo is very right. similar. I mean, we're not talking about a bunch of dumb criminals here. We're talking about some pretty sophisticated, well-thought-out scams. You bet. And a lot of people don't realize, you know, the banking phishing emails, they call them, um, that we've heard about for years they're getting better and better all the time. I have a friend who's very savvy about that sort of thing who almost fell for one recently. I also was promoting that one on social media. It was a CIBC email, and she yes. is a CIBC customer. It All the logos matched. They had the names right of the CEO and upper management in this email. The colors all matched. You had to look very, very carefully at some of the fine print at the bottom and that the email addresses didn't quite jive. But all you would have to do is click on that link, and you don't know what they're after. Are they going to ask you for information? Are they going to put viruses on your computer? There's a lot of things that can happen when you click on, on links within those emails. They're very convincing. You're right. They have a lot of time on their hands, and they're willing to put that time in to try and get your money. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think sometimes they guess, but when they guess right, it seems so legitimate, as you just said. They guess that you're a CIBC customer. Um, I did get an email not too long ago from supposedly the CRA that said um, that I had a refund coming. And I just had to click on the link and fill in my bank information with CIBC. And I am a CIBC customer. And and I honestly, I was hovering over that link when I thought, well, I've already gotten my tax refund. I'd, and then, as you say, you start to look at the email address or the link address and you go, well, wait a second. There's no way the CRA wires money or, or, or does transactions by email. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, the CRA, I actually chatted with um, a gentleman with the CRA today um, about Fraud Prevention Month, and he, they're having so many problems with the scammers and their, their agency name being used because it is that time of year, and people are going to be more likely to trust a call, an email, a fax from someone from Canada Revenue Agency. So the message, they continue to put it out there to please, please, please don't fall for it. You know, you mentioned people being in the right place at the right time or, or being associated with something like you get a CIBC email. I might be a Royal Bank customer. I might ignore it. But eventually they're going to get a CIBC customer. Right. And I had that happen to me in December where I received a scam email about a parcel that I was expecting from the United States. And guess what? I owed it more uh, customs <laughs> and duty fees. And I almost clicked on it myself because I actually was expecting a parcel from the United States. 
And so those are the really dangerous ones. And, you know, we oftentimes when we talk about scams, you think, well, when will people learn? But when you talk about the sophistication of some of these scams, and sometimes the lack of sophistication is what makes them, which makes people so vulnerable. Websites and, and Internet aside, some of the big scams out there are still some of the ones that have been around before the Internet was even a thing. Contractors, that sort of thing. Can you talk a little bit about that and contractor scam? Contractor scams, like you mean uh, at your home? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we do see, we talked about um, job scams perhaps being a concern when people are out of work. Um, During desperate times, people are looking for desperate ways to perhaps pay their bills and that sort of thing. And sometimes we will see people in the community. I know in my previous job, we saw this where... um, There might be individuals who have some skills and some tools and a pickup truck, and they see um, a place in the market where they might be able to cash in, whether it be painting people's fences or mowing lawns, or we hear about the snow removal scams in the winter where people go door to door, they take your money saying they're going to clear the snow, and you pay them up front, and you never see them again. The snow just keeps piling up. Um, So, again, it's really, really important that everyone do their research. I would also be concerned myself that um, the scammers or fraudsters will try and tug on your heartstrings. If a gentleman or a woman was to come to your door and say, look, I lost my job, I'm trying to make some extra money, I'm I'm trying to offer handyman services, do you have any small jobs that I can do for you? you might hire that person you might want to you might want to trust that person you might want to help them out but be very careful because there are so many great people out there that do deserve those jobs and that work but be very careful because you can get separated from your money so quickly by con artists that are just very good at playing the the role the act and you know i suppose honorable mention should go to some of the uh, the mainstays the arrest scam that's the phone call where the police are on their way uh, but if you wire some money they'll be able to call them off there's the tech support scam uh, that's uh, microsoft phones and says you've got a problem with your computer but if you give them access or or provide them with certain information they can fix it um, there's the copycat websites where um, it looks a lot like paypal but the address isn't quite right um, Basically, these things aren't going to go away. So, as I said earlier, I guess all we can do is really educate ourselves on them. Did want to ask you about one other that just I don't understand. How do how is it I'm calling myself? The, and and you know the call display comes on and there's your number, and you almost right. want to answer it because you're curious how it's possible that you're calling yourself. And oftentimes I would assume that that leads to uh, pushing one for this and two for that and three for that. And people don't realize they may be on a uh, pay line and they may be, the longer you stay on that line, the more the charges rack up. Right. Well, we do know that there are a lot of services online, websites that offer um, caller spoofing, they call it, where you can pay a fee, and it's actually quite a small fee on some of these websites to disguise your phone number. So I believe that some people probably it started with some people just using it as pranks. Um, I know police have spoken out in years past about it um, being there. They definitely do not support it in terms of stalker type behavior. Um, and there, this is something that these companies can use. Telemarketers use it. They have their own ways to, you know, they call you once, it's one 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 eight hundred number, and the next time they call you, it's, it looks like a local number. Um, and they are using these services a lot. 
Um, they know that if they call you with a 1-800 number, you're probably not going to answer. If they call you from a number that you know is probably here in Edmonton, they're more likely to get a conversation. Yeah, and you know, last thing, uh, just want to mention, Julie, and see if you agree. There was a time at which I think all of us thought that these scammers specifically targeted the most vulnerable, the elderly. Uh, and while that's still true, they target everybody, don't they? They do. I, I think that the scammers are honestly trying to work every possible angle. If you're selling something on Kijiji, they'll pose as the buyer. If you're trying to buy something on Kijiji, they'll pose as the seller. Landlord, tenant, they're working absolutely every side of this, from offering employment, offering a rental apartment, offering a holiday. I mean, they literally, you can't trust, unfortunately, anymore. The key is to, you know, don't wire any money, do your research. Um, Google the company name. You'd be amazed how many people would have been protected and not sent the money if they had just taken a couple of simple steps. I mean, Better Business Bureau, Edmonton Police Service, there's lots of agencies that you can turn to for more information as well. You know, I'd add to that list, and uh, that's a good one, I'd add to that list that those little notifications you get legitimately from your bank or from WestJet or from other agencies uh, telling you about a scam, well worth reading them. Well, well worth clicking on them uh, when you're doing your online banking because most of the things we've talked about, I have received some notification about them in some way or another, and people tend to just ignore those uh, warnings. But they're out there and they're looking for you. Yeah, we really all want to believe that it won't happen to us. And unfortunately, it can. And if it doesn't happen to you, it could be your grandmother, could be your child, could be your parent. These scams are out there, and they keep using these methods because they are working. So someone is falling for them, and it could be someone in your family. Excellent conversation, as I knew it would be, Julie. I do still miss you on Global, but I know you're doing great work elsewhere. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk this afternoon. Thanks, Andrew. Have a great day. You too. Uh, before we leave the conversation of uh, scams and scammers, I uh, thought I'd run through. Uh, this is, of course... Uh, uh, fraud Prevention Month. Is that what they're calling it? Yep, Fraud Prevention Month all across Canada. Um, and uh, several government, government agencies have put out lists of the top 10 scams going around, some of which Julie Matthews and I just uh, touched upon. Um, I've sort of put a list together of the 10 top ones based on all the various different lists that I read this morning. And again, as I said off the top of the show, most of these I'm personally familiar with, but I think it would behoove me to mention them on air in case uh, you're about to be scammed by somebody. There is the, um, at number 10, the sweepstakes scam. This is one, uh, it's been around for years, long before there was even an internet. You get a message saying you've won a contest, lottery, or sweepstake event. Uh, you're then asked to pay fees and, and taxes or taxes in advance in order to claim your prize. And, and again, uh, the warning flag there is that you, first of all, too, you, to, in order to win something, you have to have entered it. And, and number two, you never pay for a lottery win, ever. So anyone who's asking you for money, as Julie Matthews says, particularly when they want it uh, couriered or, or transferred overseas, that should be a great big warning. This one is a little tougher. It's called the click and bait scam. Uh, what scammers do is they use a clickbait, what's called a clickbait, such as a news story, a celebrity photo, fake news, in order to get you to click on something that actually downloads malware that can harm your computer. Uh, typically, those are delivered by... Um, email because sites like Twitter and Facebook oftentimes have firewalls that prevent those kind of links. But the easiest way, if you 
are in any way in any doubt. Actually, the easiest way is don't click. But the other is, if you don't know uh, the sender, and even if you do, because their computer could be infected with something that's sending those out, is just to simply hover over the link and take a look at what the link says. And a lot of times that link, it'll appear as a little bubble window sort of thing. Uh, it will have some address completely unrelated to what you're hovering over, whether it's a picture or a link or whatever. And that should be your first sign. There's usually uh, it's a really long, convoluted website address. It has nothing to do with, like, PayPal or eBay or whatever have you. Uh, the robocall scam takes professional information like credit card numbers after promising to lower your credit card interest rates. What they're going to do, in fact, is simply charge your credit card. Uh, government grant scam, another one that requests fees so you can collect a government grant for thousands of dollars. And again, if you didn't apply for a government grant, you're likely not getting one. Um, grandparent scam, we mentioned really quickly, this is the one where it targets the elderly. Someone phones and claims to be the granddaughter, grandson of the person answering the phone, that they're in distress, they're either in a medical emergency overseas, they're in jail, they need money wired right away. Um, obviously, don't do it. Uh, medical alert scam. This involves a call or a visit from a company claiming a concerned family member has ordered you a medical alert device in case of emergency. The scammer takes your credit card and banking information, but of course, never delivers the device. Uh, there is the copycat website scam we mentioned. Are you calling yourself? We talked about the tech support scam, which I actually look forward to receiving that phone call. I get it about once a month. That's the guy from Microsoft who says he's going to fix your computer. All he really wants to do is gain access to the computer. And the other one we mentioned, the arrest scam. This is where, and several of our texters have said they've heard this one or been involved in this one lately. It's either the CRA, a Canadian Revenue Agency, or a police or government agency, phoning to say that police are on their way to your house to arrest you, usually for not paying your taxes, sometimes for not showing up for jury duty, um, and that if you wire the money right away, they'll, they'll be able to call off the cops. Just sad, 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 That's sad. Great. I know. I actually got that call, and I'm like, oh, well, do they have my new address? Because I've moved, which I didn't. The guy was like, yes, we know where you are. And I'm like, well, what is that Yeah, address? where is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like the guy that called me and said my computer is is going to have yeah. the whole virus. I've told I the, I've, I've told the yeah. story, but I was like, okay, so what? He's called me Mr. Wilkins. I was like, well, yeah, what, what's my first name? He's like, R. I was like, yeah, guess what? That's not my actual full first name. Yeah, you're so smart. So, so you have all this information about my computer and that it's going to be damaged because apparently I gave you all this information at some point, but neglected to give my full name or you didn't ask for it. Yeah. You know, I'm always, no, no, we're good with an no, initial, no, yeah, sir. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, we're very informal here at Microsoft. I, I always like having fun with them to see how long it takes them. I don't hang up on them. I like to see how long it'll take them to hang up on me. If you have time, yeah. yeah. I did, no, I did, that's what I did with this one guy. But usually you just... yeah. Yeah, but yeah. The guy, I asked the guy, where are you? Where are the Microsoft guy? Are you in Seattle? He's like, yeah, I'm in Seattle. Like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm actually going to Seattle next month. What should I see while I'm in Seattle? And he's like, well, sir, we need to deal with your Microsoft problem. And no, I, Space Needle. So no, the power's know. out, so the computer's not on. So <laughs> yeah. we can talk about the Space Needle. <laughs> we got nothing but time on our hands. Uh, hey, Inside Sports. Well, no, I guess. We got a game. Games we got a game. Uh, games at 530. The face-off show's next. Right. McDavid and Eichel for the first time ever. Oh, yeah. oh, by the way, got a doozy of a trivia question tonight. I'm actually excited. Oh. Stoffer won't know it. Oh, that's rare. Yeah. Do you oftentimes give him a little bit of a hint that nobody else gets? No. Okay. Sometimes good. I ask it to him before the show. To see. And he still often gets it relatively quickly. Yeah. Does he uh, leave with his phone and come back again and suddenly know yeah, the answer? Yeah. It's just like, hang on, <laughs> yeah, hang, hang on. on. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, Yeah. Okay. McDavid Eichel, a uh, couple new Oilers playing tonight, too, so that'll be uh, interesting. Talbot playing his 100th NHL game oh. uh, all ahead.
All right, sounds good. I'll be listening as I always do. I'll be back tomorrow at 2 with my partner, Jaylen Nye.